Are you a double E that needs PCB assembly? Look no further than Macrofab. We've got you covered whether you need a single prototype or high volume manufacturing, including system integration. Macrofab is your solution. Use our easy online interface to upload your files, get a quote in minutes, and order your PCB assembly without speaking to anyone. A few days later, your high-quality PCBs will arrive in the mail. Visit macrofab.com today and sign up to get started. Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. This is episode 175. So we have a really big announcement this week. We have Long time a... coming. What was that? Long time coming. Oh yeah, and we kind of alluded to it a couple weeks ago as well at the end of a podcast. But uh, we have a new design contest. Woo! The, the second big official design contest. We've had some others in the past. Yes. So this is the MacFab Design Contest Useless Machine, sponsored by Mauser Electronics. Yay! Thank you, Mauser. Yes. So Mauser is sponsoring all the prize money. So thank you so much, Mauser, for uh, enabling us to do this. Yeah. And, and also, thank you so much for getting on board with a contest that's a useless machine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they've, been, uh, they've been super kind to us uh, to allow us to do this, and they were way on board. They're like, yeah, let's do a contest together. Sweet. Let's do it. Yeah. So some, I guess, some examples of, like, projects that are useless. So Stephen and I basically spent, like, an entire, like, evening, like, drinking and coming up with some useless ideas. And so these were like the top four. Oh yeah. So uh, I I think we should just read off e each other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the first one's a, a device that sends tweets of the temperature of Mars for tourists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you ever want to know the temperature of Mars at any point in time, you can have it. Yeah, you have to know how to dress in the morning. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> you have to know if it's if it's sandals weather or like you know astronaut boot weather. <laughs> right, right. Or if it's going to be like total recall weather, you know. Big, oh, your eyeballs big, uh, popping out of your head. Big, big, big sandstorms and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, another example of a completely useless device is a clock that isn't even right twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was thinking about that one is like you would set the time and so it would randomly generate a time and then make sure it wasn't the real time. Right. right. <laughs> and then maintain the wrong time. Yes. Constantly. Yeah. But but, you know, what? actually come to think about it. So uh, some some laziness. Uh, maybe you've experienced this also. But uh, at, at one point in time, my my the uh, clock in my truck was off by like five minutes and I, I just left it there for a while and I just knew it was off by five minutes and I just corrected it in my head and I eventually changed it. But it, but it was one of those things where I just knew like, Oh, I'll add five minutes to the time of my, my clock. This clock would need to be able to drift, but never drift. Correct. You know? So oh, you yeah. couldn't ever predict it too. like it. It actively tries to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, even better would be if it could sense if people were near and so it would look like it was keeping the correct time, but the moment someone was gone, it would just randomly change to a different like time. 
Oh, yeah. yeah so it's not great. like you can stare at it and it says like 3.30 and then you stare at it and then it says like 5.24. <laughs> so right, it, right. If, if it knew people were in the room, it would start at like a wrong time and just increment for a while. Yeah. But then when it detected someone wasn't there, it would just change. <laughs> yeah. And so you can never figure out what the offset is. Nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You you'd never be able to predict it. Yeah. Also, if it were to detect if you ever uh, crossed a uh, time zone, it could then pick a completely random other time zone and just start from there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like a time zone on Mars. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Mars does have time zones, doesn't it? Probably. Yeah. Well, actually, I think they use what the there's some phrase for it for like the global standardized time or or. I don't remember. Like NASA uses one. That was, you know, that was a big, uh, that was a big engineering challenge. Like when we send the guys to the moon, like how do they tell time kind of stuff? Uh, um, no. So I Mars does not have time zones. Right. Because it, because it's all on one. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess if you don't have humans that need to wake up and go to sleep, you don't really need time zones. Right. How long is a day on Mars? Uh, I don't know. Well, like a standard Earth day? Or are you talking about a rotation of Mars? A rotation. Like for the sun to come up and the sun to go down. How long is... It says one day and 37 minutes. So it's actually really close to Earth. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's another, uh, what's another useless machine example? So a GPS that tells you where the furthest bathroom is. <laughs> Yeah, like the other side of the earth. <laughs> yeah. I think we got this idea from that GPS that told you where the nearest cheeseburger was at. Right. right. Which is actually kind of useful. Yeah. This, though, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the furthest away bathroom. Yes. At all times, it could, it could figure out exactly where the farthest away. I yes. love that. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right. So uh, here, here's, the, here's one other one. Um, remember that kid kid's toy that was like a, a plastic circle and you'd pull the little handle on the side and the little arrow would spin around and it'd land on an animal and it'd say the cow says moo or whatever have have that exact same thing but all the sounds are wrong just absolutely wrong <laughs> in fact have it where all the sounds are not even animal sounds they're like it lands on a cow and it's like a jackhammer or something yeah. like that <laughs> on a chicken it's a car tar tire squeak uh squeal. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So that that's kind of like the things we're looking for uh, for people to build in this contest. Hey, hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause you there. Earlier today, I actually came up with a couple more that I wanted to share with you. So Parker hasn't okay, yeah. heard these ones. The uh, so I, I put a little thought into it, and this this is a project that, in my opinion, is infinitely useful, but also infinitely useless at the same time. So a perpetual motion machine that just has enough energy to power itself. So like a solar panel and a light bulb that's on like a continuous feedback loop. So you have like a super conducting circuit. Yeah. You, 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 you have a hundred percent efficient circuit. It's amazing. It can't happen, but if somebody were to actually invent it, it would be, we'd have to rethink all of physics and it would be useful in that sense but in terms of just a light bulb that powers itself through a solar panel it doesn't do anything it's completely useless right yeah yeah, yeah. so the most useful because we'd prove that we could do that but also the most useless thing um so here's another one a device that tells you if you're in space or not 
like all the time. <laughs> it just says yes or no. You're in space or You're not. In space. <laughs> and then uh, the last one is a light activated light bulb. So it only comes on when it's light. When it senses light. I've had. OK, so on that one, I've actually had those um, like those light sensitive fixtures. Yeah. Right. Except that I had them. I had it was like a module that you can just like put on the wall. And you wired it into a fixture. So I had it sitting below the light. Well, the light would come on. If it sensed it was too dark out, it would turn on. And then it would shut itself off. Because everything got bright again. <laughs> and so it would just cycle every like it five was just minutes. Like, it would just oscillate? Yeah, it would oscillate about every five minutes. It would turn off and on. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> I guess you don't... I guess professional products can end up being useless devices. Yes. If you don't use them correctly. <laughs> okay, so the idea behind this this whole contest is for you to design, you being anyone, to design a useless device and show it to us. And we have four prizes that uh, you can win. So first, well, let's go ahead and, and say it's broken up into two kind of categories here. So one category, just like our last contest we did, is going to be judged by four uh, guest judges who we will be announcing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so those guest judges will judge all of the entries and they will apply first, second, and third place. So first place will win $1,000, second place wins $500, and third place gets $250. So then, uh, just like the last contest, there is a second category, which is called the MacFab Engineering Podcast Favorite which basically Parker and I get to pick one lucky winner and you will win $1,000. And mainly that's, uh, if you listen to the last contest, it's just if we thought it was funny or not. That's basically, kinda, yes. <laughs> kind of how it gets picked. I mean, if it's interesting, I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. But yeah, we'll announce you on the podcast. And um, on top of the $1,000 cash prize, what do they win, Parker? They'll also get a useless trophy that Stephen and I have designed. Yes, yeah, so manufactured we are, and built. Right, we are. We well, we've already begun designing it. Um, we started a while ago, actually, uh, but we're actually going to build a pretty nice, yet useless trophy. And uh, you will, in addition to the thousand dollars, you will get uh, the useless trophy sent to you. And so, the, and the useless trophy is actually the example project that's in the blog post. So if you go and click the hacky.io like example project, you can see our progress on it. There's not a lot of progress there yet, but we are collecting um, parts and stuff at the moment to further get down the road of the design. Right, yeah. So uh, we're actually, yeah, we're putting some real effort into this. So there's mechanical design that goes into this. We're getting boards made. Uh, it is actually usable. There will be things inside of it. Uh, and and the goal is to actually make it look kind of nice, but yes. useless. But useless. <laughs> right. Cool. And then, um, so the... So how can people enter, Stephen? Okay, so three things that we need you to do to enter this project. Uh, pro sorry, not project. Contest. First, you have to build an electronic project that is useless. Now, useless is kind of in the eye of the beholder. 
Uh, that is up to you. You get to decide what that means. We gave you some examples, and those were all things that probably fit maybe a little bit more into the Parker and Steven podcast favorite because we think they're funny. Yes. <laughs> but but those are those are examples of a useless project. Uh, it, I guess it has to do something, right? It can't just be a paperweight, but it has to be useless. Well, paperweights are useful. Oh, good point. Paperweights. Good, good point. Good yeah. point. <laughs> so yeah, number one, build an electronic project that is useless. Number two, document it as a new project on hackaday.io. If you haven't been there yet, go to hackaday.io. Look at other people's projects, kind of get a feel for how projects are done there, create an account, and then you will have to up upload your designs and everything to hackaday.io. That's where our judges are going to see all of the projects. That's where Parker and I will see all the projects. If you don't do that, we can't judge your project. Correct. And then number three, we, uh, we need you to tag your project with the phrase, Macrofab design contest useless machine. Yeah, so that way we can basically go to the ginormous list that is the Hackage.io project list, and we can just click our tag, and we will get all your projects. And last time we got a lot of entries, and it was fantastic. It was awesome. Hopefully this time we get a lot more than that. Yes. Yeah. So let's 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 remind one more time. Build an electronic project that's useless, document it on hackaday.io and tag it with Macrofab Design Contest useless machine. And so some of the contest rules is it, the contest runs from 8 a.m. Central Time June 1st, which is was last Saturday um, at the time of the recording of this podcast, and then it runs through 8 a.m. Central August 10th of this year. Um, projects must be documented and submitted through hackaday.io. Source code, schematics, and board layouts of the project must be posted in the file section or in the, a public repository such as GitHub so that you know judges can look at it. Um, people should be able to replicate the project. Like There should be enough information about your project that people can make sure it's legit. Right. Yeah, not, not, just, not just a 3D render and say this is it. Or like a CG thing. Yes. Um, all entries will be judged by judges appointed by Macrofab. Those judges will be announced uh, over the next couple of weeks. And then Macrofab, Mouser Electronics, and judges or family of any of the preceding are not eligible to take part of the contest. So, sorry, Stephen. You will not be able to... We can't enter our trophy into the contest. I've, I've made plenty of useless <laughs> machines. I don't need to make more. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also no age limit for the contest. Right. So come up with your ideas, throw them up on hackaday.io, and uh, document them as best as you can. We do recommend, well, maybe not recommend, but uh, taking videos of your thing working, those are always big thumbs up, just because it, it gives a little bit more of a description. We don't have to read as much. But uh, yeah, this will be a ton of fun. So, Parker, how are the judges going to rate the con contestants' projects? And so the first, the big one is, like, how interesting is the entry? How well is the project documented? Are there description, details, instructions, components? Is there a build instruction set up for it? Um, does it? Does the useless thing actually work? Um, and so based off all those things, like, and how much of the contest's topic is in the project, if that makes sense. Like, how useless is it? 
<laughs> it's not like <laughs> this, we need a useless scale. <laughs> yeah, useless scale. There you go. <laughs> um, so judges will pick their top three projects and rank them from uh, one to three. So the top, their top project gets three points. Their second place project gets two points, and the third place project gets one point. And so we basically combine all their top three projects, and then whoever gets the most points gets one, two, and three. Um, and then the MacFab Engineering Podcast favorite gets chosen by Stephen and I. And, and we usually uh, do it. So last year we did it live on the podcast as well. Like we, we both got our favorite lists and then we compared them on the podcast and which ones we liked the most and then uh, got a got a winner. Yeah, and, and actually it was it was uh, cool last year. I think our lists were fairly similar and uh, we we each had come to the conclusion for the number one pick that it was like guaranteed like that one. Correct. We just agreed right away. That was fun. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so number of points scored from the judges. And uh, I don't think that this is giving away any secret sauce, but we do have a, a nice variety of, of judges. So it's not going to be like one mindset. You're going to have a, a really interesting scope of uh, all the judges. Yes, and it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun um, announcing all the judges as well. Yeah, and we'll be announcing that on Twitter. And we'll probably, well, not probably, for sure going to be talking about it here on the podcast yes for sure so let's see here let's go uh that was june 1st to august 10th so august 10th is the last day that you can enter in so that's plenty of time to come up with something crappy and take a video of it yes <laughs> yeah you have 10 <laughs> weeks <laughs> yeah and then um yeah if you want to make it look really professional or if you want to do it by hand or whatever that's entirely up to you correct so you want to go on to the rfo section yeah i think we talked about this contest enough or the rapid fire opinion <laughs> we need to say that every week now i think so too yeah we've we've had long-term listeners be like oh that's finally what it means <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right what do we got so the first one is ARM gives up control of IP to China. Um, so this is off the, like, ARM was having to pull their their license agreements with Huawei. And, uh, and so basically SoftBank, who owns ARM, gave, uh, I guess, 51% of the shares of ARM China to the Chinese government. I think it's the Chinese government. <laughs> That's probably where it ends up right yeah it's probably where it ends up yeah so what uh what all i mean what does that even mean for I, arm I, I think um all that means is like it's shares of the company so they ha they're on the board and i guess that means they have access to all the L uh the ip now hmm. interesting there's not yeah. a ton of information about this i couldn't really find too much you know, this might be clickbaity, but I was reading some articles earlier about um, uh, predictions that processor and semiconductor sales are going to kind of be in a slog for the next 10 years or so. Hmm. Uh, well, I think that's a little bit due to global politics and what certain nations are doing to other nations right now. <laughs> Interesting, though, because is, 
is is are the Chinese uh, manufacturing a lot of ARM products? I mean, I might be showing some ignorance here. I guess they are, right? I mean, yeah, ARM's ARM's IP is in a lot of different microcontrollers, which run, you know, practically almost every single product out there. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I thought a lot of that was manufactured outside of China. But I guess they're just holding interest, right? Well, no, they make a lot of semiconductor. So. Cool. Yep. The next one is a topic we always like to talk about. Because <laughs> they're always great. Because <laughs> always great is uh, the major. Uh, Google had a major service outage um, this week, which caused basically the whole Google Cloud backend. Any service that was using the Google Cloud backend just stopped working. <laughs> and so this caused uh, YouTube, Gmail, and oh my God, Snapchat to fail working. Um, I actually noticed that Google Chat, like the Hangouts chat, it worked, but you couldn't upload pictures. Hmm. So the f the chat part was still working, but not the uploading picture part. Um, and so this actually caused the Nest like ecosystem to go down. And so Did people whole, were without controlling their air conditioner or opening up their doors while this was down. Right, because they have like the uh, IoT locks on their doors and stuff now. Smart right? locks, remember? Smart locks, yeah, right, right. That's smart locks. Yeah. Smart, smart locks that shut off, right? Yeah. The moment they can't talk to the mothership. I, I, I'm so surprised that Nest doesn't have like a um, offline mode, right? Like, don't you think that sounds necessary? But then you have to carry a key with you. Well, I mean, for your for your AC, but then again, I guess, you know that that's that'd be very necessary if you. I think there is a manual mode, but the whole point of the Nest is it handles it for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got a my my house was built in '96, and I think I have the original thermostat in there. And there's one thing that just bugs the living snot out of me at at this time of the year, uh, the well, in, in Denver, the temperature fluctuates a lot. It could be 80 today, and it could be 35 tomorrow. My thermostat doesn't have the ability to switch itself from heat to cold. You have to, you have to tell it you're in heat mode or cold mode. You don't, it, it can't flip between those. So there will be times where like it was warm in the afternoon, so I've got the AC on. And then it drops like crazy at night, and I wake up and it's 58 in my house because my house decided not to heat up. Yeah, like, yeah. How hard would it be for it to just like have a set point and flip around that set point? I don't know. Like that sounds reasonable. You are correct. Though. There's a lot of old thermostats are set up that way, and I wonder why. Oh, it's super annoying. Um. Yeah, yeah you you, you got to think is the solution to that problem, Stephen, is doesn't need to involve the internet. Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and it did cross my mind for one second the other day. I was like, maybe I should go buy a Nest. Because I, I lived in a house previously that had a Nest in it, and they were great. It was fantastic. I loved it. And um, But and you're right. I don't need to go spend $250 and retrofit my thing for it to be able to switch from heat to cold. Get an Arduino, a temperature sensor, and then throw it on your wall with some sticky tape. Get No... Here's even better. Get an Arduino to control a servo that flips the switch from hot to cold. <laughs> That's actually really funny. <laughs> I like yeah. that. 
<laughs> Actually, you know what? As of right now, I should go as an alias and um, uh, enter my thermostat into the useless machine contest because it's not doing what it needs to. Right oh, now. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so the last RFO for the night. Uh, squirrels and security. It's a thing. And... The quotes on this thing is amazing. Like the, the subheading is, they're cute, they're fuzzy, and they pose a major threat to our cyber infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it, what's this all about? So this is basically squirrels chewing on power lines and on on cable lines, causing outages of services. And squirrels are the number one threat to electronic wires out there they, they are squirrels are two times as large as the next threat on the list yes and some it, it's like people always worry about being hacked or stuff like that it's like no squirrel squirrel's going to get you <laughs> actually you know what's <laughs> funny this list okay well uh, let me let me back up just a second there's a, there's a website called, called cybersquirrel1.com and that's the the numeral one and uh Apparently, this is like a this is a website that shows every outage in the world or everyone that is known to be due to, uh, I guess, a living thing. Animals. Uh, yeah. Well, but the list at the very bottom has humans. And so apparently three of these are due to humans uh, somehow taking down the lines. I like how it says it has an asterisk, too, but doesn't explain what that asterisk is. <laughs> Yeah, asterisk. We're not really sure if they're human or not. Aliens, man. Uh, but you can. Oh click, wait, no, no, no. They 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 got, they got a thing over here. Uh, all of the claim nation states cyber attack. Okay, I'm not gonna read that on the play. Whatever. Uh, it says it says three or for some reason they call it an agent. Three agent humans have successfully taken down three power grids. <laughs> So I love this. I've been uh, kind of scrolling around this map and looking at different animals taking out stuff. Uh, so in India, apparently, there was an elephant that took out a power line. Oh, uh, uh, hopefully he's okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> also, there's there's some monkeys who have, have done it, apparently 12 of them. Uh, yeah, that's the thing is, this one I clicked in, in Kenya, um, a nationwide blackout caused by it just says rogue monkey it's like why is there a descriptor there <laughs> uh apparently in japan there's a there's a city called matsue uh, m-a-t-s-u-e i don't know how to pronounce that but maybe i got it right uh where let me click on it update jellyfish jellyfish back off at japan Nash nuclear power plant i Okay, so somehow a jellyfish took out a nuke plant. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so apparently in in um, Sri Lanka, a squirrel chewed through a cable that killed three soldiers. What? Yes, a a a electrical cable fell on a van, and all three of them jumped out and fell on the electric cable and electrocuted them. Oh gosh! Actually, in that so, case, the would it be best to just stay in the van? I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then there's like there's outages in Hawaii, which 
what was this one? A, a mongoose took out some. It says a mongoose was loose. Power went out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wondered, like, I guess, do they hand write? Every, I mean, does is there somebody who enters all of these into a database? So it pulls. It looks like it's pulling news articles about oh, power okay. outages, and then it pulls like the. I think someone probably manually goes in and puts the animal in, but like the title, a mongoose was loose. That's the title of the art, the article. Oh, okay. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause there's somebody just having fun. Oh yeah. So I got a story about this. That's, that's kind of funny. I may have told this on the podcast before. So if anyone remembers, let me know and I'll never tell the story again. But, uh, I, uh, had a uh, internship at a, um, power company in north texas during my college years and um one of the projects i had to deal with was a uh one of the presidents of my department he um delivered an excel spreadsheet that had over two hundred thousand lines on it and every single one of them was power outages throughout their entire power grid and he said he wanted me to do statistics on it and figure out if i could find anything that was significant in the data and I spent two weeks looking at this Excel data sheet, just tried, I'm not data sheet, sorry, spreadsheet, trying to find something. And um, there was so much information in it. I mean, uh, not, not only just like time and location and things like that, but uh, uh, like there was written descriptions of each thing in this, this huge uh, spreadsheet. And what I found, what was interesting is if you took the data and you plotted like the locations of everything, and then you looked up the migration patterns of squirrels, everything lined up perfectly. And I, <laughs> on top of that, if you looked up, um, if you looked up weather patterns and lightning strikes, it also lined up nicely. So we ended up creating effectively an algorithm that could loosely tell was it a lightning bolt or was it a squirrel and and <laughs> and we found out that squirrels were the biggest threat to the power company out of anything yeah the um uh one of the houses i used to live at the internet was like spotty and i had uh, i had like four different technicians come out and like they would test everything check all the wiring everything was good right Mm -hmm. Eventually, I found out it was when it got a little windy, the cable would sway on the line, right? Yeah. And so I got the tech over, and he was testing it, and he, he did not believe me that the wind would cause it to fail. And so while he was doing that, I went outside and poked the, the cable. It's not an electrical cable, guys. It's, it's a, just a coax data, cable. Data, yeah. And I poked it, and I caused the internet to drop out. And so the guy finally believed me. But he wasn't the technician that could climb the pole to fix it. Because he had oh, to run a whole new line. So, of course, the next day, guy comes out. He pulls it down. A squirrel had chewed off, like, three feet of the outside of this cable. The <laughs> fact that it still managed to somewhat function is amazing. That's great. Yeah. I, I, this is one of my favorite projects I've seen in a long time. The Cyber Squirrel 1. Where where'd you find this article that was what EE Web? This one was on EE Web, yeah. But the The Cyber Squirrel 1 is they listed as this map lists all unclassified Cyber Squirrel operations that have been released to the public. <laughs> so it's like squirrel. So it's like the squirrels are against us. 
You know, I don't, I, I might be making a giant mistake here, but why is it cybersquirrel1.com? In other words, what is cybersquirrel? Uh, I might I might be visiting something I shouldn't here. <laughs> well, his, the Twitter account is cybersquirrel, but the mention is cybersquirrel1. So I wonder Ooh. if there's a cybersquirrel. Cybersquirrel.com. Let's see here. Huh. Okay. So I bet you someone... It, uh, it, it redirects you to technology.findlaw.com. I bet you someone had a legal parked. professionals. Yeah. Cybersquirrel is... Uh, yeah, it's a, it must be parked. And Cybersquirrel, the Twitter account, was created April 2009. And it only has six tweets. And it says this account is protected. Huh. Um, so someone has to unlock. So I bet you when the real cyber squirrel came on the scene in March 2013, he couldn't get it without a one. Right, right. That's like the, I think we talked about this before, but like basically in the future, if you find like someone with a username that doesn't have numbers on it, it's like, oh, yeah. they're like the OG. Yeah, and well, yeah. I mean, our, our parents... Uh, our parents are going to swear. Uh, parents are going to start passing their usernames down to their children if they don't have numbers, right? Yes. <laughs> like, it's going to be in their will. You can have my username, Viper. Viper, not Viper42. <laughs> uh, what was it? When we were talking to Joe Grand about his, like, online handles. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had, he had like, what was it? He, he, he has emoji names, yeah. Yeah. Because he was back in, like, listserv days, right? That sounds correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see I'm, if I, we have his... Because his current one is Kingpin. Right, right. I'm but sure... I think one of his original I'm sure ones the CIA was like, has all of his... <laughs> all of his usernames. Yeah, his original one was Black Ninja. <laughs> yeah, right. And then it's FBI wait, agents. Didn't, didn't he come up with that name when he was like 14 or something? Yeah, something like, like that. that. <laughs> and then FBI agent, Astro Zombie, and The Youth. <laughs> that's great that's great yeah well shoot well are we are we are we going pretty quick on this yeah i think the a good little short podcast is i mean we've had some monster podcasts recently yeah we we really have and uh before i forget june 7th high noon texas standard time hashtag badge life cool is that yeah we should end the podcast something? now <laughs> all right that was the macrofab engineering podcast we were your host Stephen craig and parker dillman take it easy later everyone thank you yes you are a listener for downloading our show if you have a cool idea project or topic let Stephen and i know Tweet us at Macrofab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at macrofab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen, as it helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.